Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash malicious compliance, where a racist gets what's coming to him. Our next Reddit post is from whatever. This was some time ago, probably early 2000s, but this event is burned into my brain. I've worked in K-12 education technology for most of my 20 plus years in my professional career. When I first started, I was the only technician for a small to medium-sized school district of about 2,500 students. During the time of this event, the director of special education was married to the superintendent. I reported to the business manager who used to teach technology, but was not a technical person. For the most part, I was left to do my work and I wasn't overly micromanaged. So I got into the habit of taking my lunch break whenever, or even not at all. If I didn't take lunch and there was no pressing work, I would just leave a little bit early at the end of the day. Of course, I always made sure all the schools were out before I left. As time went on, I got in trouble for leaving early. So, I would take my lunch whenever time permitted. Sometimes it was when there was only an hour left in work, sometimes not. But I would just chill at my desk and screw around. The others in my office where my desk was reported me for screwing around every afternoon. When I tried to explain to the business manager that I was just taking my lunch, she said something to the effect of, You can no longer take lunch whenever you want. Your lunch is from 12 to 1. I say no problem, message received. So, starting that day, no matter what I was doing at 12 o'clock, I would stop what I was doing and take my lunch. If I was at my desk, I would screw off. If I was at a school site, I would go sit in my car. Fast forward a month or two later, and at about 11.30, the director calls and says his computer isn't working, and I have to come fix it right away. I say, sure thing, I'm on my way. When I get to his office, he says, please fix it, and heads off to a meeting. So, I start removing all the spyware he's managed to collect. About a third of the way through, 12 o'clock hits. I stand up, walk out of his office, and tell his secretary I'll be back in an hour. Out to my car I go, expecting a phone call any minute. And sure enough, about 15 minutes in, I get a phone call from my business manager. Here's how the call goes. I hear you walked out of the director's office without fixing his computer. Correct, it's my lunchtime. What do you mean? You couldn't fix his computer first? I could've, but you told me I couldn't decide when my lunch break was, that I had to take lunch from 12 to 1. Wait, that's not what I meant. But that's what you said. If I stayed and worked on the computer and took my lunch at 1 or 1.30, I didn't want to get in trouble for screwing off when I was supposed to be working. Okay, I'll call you back. She calls back about 15 minutes later asking me to please go back in and finish his computer, and from now on, I can decide when the best time is for me to take my lunch. And it was never talked about again. It was nice being able to go home early when I didn't take my lunch break. Our next Reddit post is from the MCP. I had a job where I had a computer which was, incidentally, also the web server for a very important internal web application. I thought it was really stupid that my computer wasn't in a server room being managed by IT, but for some reason, they just wouldn't do it. I didn't use this application or have anything to do with it, but it took up a large chunk of the hard drive and made it really slow. I didn't even know where it was on the hard drive, so there was a bunch of old development software I could never remove for fear of harming the application. I also wasn't permitted to turn the machine off or even sign out on nights and weekends, so it would be running whenever anyone needed the application. I just had to lock the screen and leave it. This application was apparently something developed by my department before I joined the company, and everyone involved with it was no longer there. And nobody really knew anything about how it worked, other than this machine had to be running and signed in, and it wasn't developed in our normal system and wasn't in our code repository. By the end of my time with the company, they'd had so much turnover that I was literally the only person in the department who knew that it was even there. 
I'm a web developer, and I required vast amounts of disk space for my work, for reasons mostly related to how moronic management was about process. I had to keep three complete copies of everything the company had ever developed. I often ran out of storage space. I had to use increasingly desperate measures to deal with this, up to and including deleting anything that Microsoft included with Windows that I didn't actually need. It quickly got to the point that I had to call IT to tell them my PC was becoming unusable due to disk space and could they please do something about it. And I suggested that because of this application, they might want to take this PC into management and give me a different one. I thought they would do something like replace the computer or give it larger internal storage or maybe even just attach an external hard drive. But they told me that I just had to remove what I could and defrag the disk and to make more space and I would just have to suffer. And please don't call them about this again. I talked to my boss and I was told that IT's word was final and I would just have to deal with it. So the computer would get bad, I'd remove what I could and start defragging, and the machine would become too slow for me to use for 24 hours, during which time I couldn't do any work. This happened about once a week, so it took a fifth of my time, not counting the time spent looking for stuff to delete. I kept telling my management that this was happening and they kept telling me to shut up and deal with it. But at least when they wanted me to do stuff and I said, I can't, my computer is busy clearing disk space and is currently unusable, they moaned but understood and left me alone. So, because IT was too lazy to do anything and management was too lazy to go to bat for me and the company was unwilling to spend $100 on an external hard drive, they had to spend over $22,000 a year on a salary for me to sit around and wait for the machine to make some space so I could do my work. To be clear, 22k wasn't my salary, it was one-fifth of my salary that I spent wasting time solving this problem. That doesn't even count the value of the time that everyone else wasted waiting for me to finish my work so they could do theirs. Oh, and it got to the point where I couldn't deal with it at all when I had a heart attack and a stroke and I never went back to work. I occasionally think, with admittedly some glee, of the panic it must have caused when they no doubt turned off the computer and sent it to IT to be wiped and a few hours later, panicked users started calling demanding to know where their precious application that they couldn't live without was. Only for my stupid management to say, honestly, what application? Our next Reddit post is from Theory of Relativity. This happened about four years ago when I got a summer job at my university. The job was working for professors that I'd worked with before, and they asked me last minute to teach a summer workshop to 9th and 10th graders. So, with less than two weeks before the camp starts, I have a bunch of paperwork to do first, including clearances that say I can work with kids. One of these is an official FBI check for which they need my fingerprints. Well, I had to do the physical fingerprinting right away in order to get the results in time. Luckily, I was able to book a fingerprinting appointment for that Friday. Book 24 hours in advance, as required, which would be just barely enough time for me to get the results. That Friday, I catch the subway to campus, and it's atrociously slow. I'll admit that I should have planned for this. The subway here is always behind. Anyway, I end up getting to campus slightly late, so I literally run to the police station and enter the front room at exactly five minutes after my appointment time. I know this because as I stepped through the door, I felt my phone buzz with what turned out to be a your appointment has been canceled email. I speak to the cop behind the bulletproof glass inside and I learn the appointment was canceled after he checks my confirmation number. Apparently, they're automatically canceled if you're not checked in within 5 minutes. Obviously, this is outrageous, but I'm usually a patient guy. I ask if I can book a new appointment. That's no good since it would have to be Monday or later. So I grab a coffee from across the street and return to sit in the police station to try and solve this with some googling while I slip into more and more of a frantic state of frustration. 
I can't find anywhere in the city that can fingerprint me before Monday. But here's what really pushed me over the edge. While I'm sitting there, at this point 30 minutes past my appointment time, someone else comes in for fingerprints. She showed up 5 minutes early. They take her in immediately, and she was out before her appointment was even scheduled to begin. The entire thing took her about 2 minutes. I point out to the cop behind the glass, as politely as I can, that clearly someone could see me right now because her appointment is already over. Why can't I have her slot that's due in 3 minutes? But the cop insists that since my appointment was cancelled, my registration info was no longer in the system and I can't be seen today. That's when an idea comes to me, and I confirm with him that showing up early isn't a problem because they would have my appointment and registration info in the system. You see where I'm going with this. So I quietly sit back down and take out my phone. About 10 minutes later, I calmly approach the cop and say, Hello, I have a new appointment to be fingerprinted. I'm about 72 hours early. I have never seen such an exasperated sigh in my life. But he checked my new confirmation number and everything was in order. Within 10 minutes, I was walking back out after getting fingerprinted. Our next Reddit post is from When Fandom Strikes. Back in 2006, I worked for one of those big box stores that had an IT desk where people could bring devices in to get service if there was a problem. We were located in Columbus, Georgia, which is right over the bridge from Phoenix City, Alabama. This is important because where our store was placed, we would normally get a lot of servicemen and women coming up from Fort Benning who were generally pretty cool. But we would also get folks, mostly from Alabama, who were, let's just say, slightly unfavorable to folks of a certain skin color or gender. Now, I'm a 5'1 girl who weighs 120 pounds soaking wet. I was practically a hobbit. I was also one of the lead technicians in the department. I was the one that new hires went to if they were confused or couldn't troubleshoot certain problems. The team I worked with was amazing. The general manager of the store was great, and the supervisor of my department was the man. I would regularly go out for drinks with these people. It was one of the best places that I've ever worked, even though it was retail. One day, I'm working the counter to check customers in and do evaluations and diagnostics to give an estimate of what the repair price would be. In comes, let's call him Joe. He wore a cut-off t-shirt, worn denim jeans, and a baseball cap with a confederate flag on it that just barely covered his business-in-the-front, party-in-the-back haircut. I am not one to judge on looks. I've had plenty of people come in looking exactly the same way this guy did and have been absolutely delightful to work with. Never judge a book by its cover, kids. But I still have my defenses up, just in case. I really hoped it wasn't going to go the not-so-friendly route. I was unfortunately wrong about our dear Joe. Joe walks up to the counter with his PC tower and practically slams the unit on the desk. I need this fixed. It's broken. Okay, sir. Let me have a look and I'll see if I can. Joe cuts me off and stares at me with a disgusted look on his face. Excuse me? If you give me a moment, sir, I'll be able to take a look at your computer and... Oh, hell no! It was at this point that I realized where this was inevitably going to go wrong. Unfortunately, sir, I won't be able to give you an estimate if you don't let me diagnose your computer. There is no way in hell a woman knows about computers. I'm not letting you touch my computer. Give me the manager. Oh, yes, I thought. This is going to be freaking awesome. I'm sure that he actually wanted to talk to the general manager of the store, but I couldn't resist. Cue malicious compliance. I could have pulled the I am the manager thing because I'm one of the senior staff, but my direct boss was actually out back working on repair projects and I couldn't help but get excited about how this was going to go down. As lovely as sweet tea I said, of course sir, right away sir. 
Mike, my supervisor, the guy who ran our department, was elbow deep in a motherboard replacement when I walked in and gave him the biggest grin. Hey, Mike, there's a guy out there asking for the manager. He looks at me confused because he was just a supervisor, but I then proceeded to tell him exactly what was waiting for him out front. His face splits into the brightest smile. He then proceeds to walk out to the front. Have I mentioned that Mac is a 6'3", 280-pound black man who looked like he could eat a Mac truck for lunch? He was a big, lovable teddy bear, and we all adored him. The moment that Mike stepped out, the customer freaked. Hello, sir. Is there a problem? Joe lost it. He starts with a hell no before devolving into a racist tirade that I've never witnessed in my life. I'm from Massachusetts, so this was awful yet amazing to watch. It was like a car crash. You just couldn't look away. Not that we don't have racism in the Northeast, but man. Joe kept screaming using the nastiest slur. You know the one. Over and over again, while staff and customers alike watched in blatant horror. Security ended up having to come over to try to calm the man down. Our entire security team was black as well, so naturally, Joe went even crazier. Eventually, the police had to be called because the man was threatening me, calling me a grunt and a b-word, and threatening security and my boss, using the word that is not okay. My general manager got called out of his office and immediately called the police to have the man removed. God bless whichever dispatcher who received the call was, because they dispatched two black officers to the scene. Me and my general manager were literally the only white people involved in this train wreck, aside from the bigot, Joe. And I watched with unbridled glee as Joe was cuffed and taken away by the police. Watching Joe foam at the mouth as he was dragged away made my whole week. Thank you for the entertainment, bigoted Joe. Down in the comments, we have this from Dick Harry. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, bigoted Joe? And then OP responds, to jail, lol. That was r slash malicious compliance. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.